0: G'day mate, 40 here. So there's a whole stoat holocaust going on in New Zealand and absolutely nobody's talking about it because everyone's afraid of the New Zealand lobby. Right? Everyone's afraid, oh, if you go up against the Kiwis you'll never eat lunch in this town again. Everyone's just seeding our cultural, political and moral high ground to the New Zealanders who are always sticking their nose into things that are none of their business, they're, they're pushy. They're trying to take over our culture and they've got a holocaust going on in their own country. They're trying to wipe out super predators. They're going after the humble stoat. They're going after brown rats and possums, even black rats. Incredibly racist stuff going on in New Zealand. And why are they wiping out these super predators? Racism. They want to protect native wildlife, right? They prefer native wildlife to. You know, other wildlife. It's just, it's just so wrong. It's so bad.
1: It, it's so racist. I, I can't Good believe idea. what's going Welcome on. Welcome to Tucker Carlson Time. Thank heaven it's Friday, mostly because it's not Thursday. Yesterday was Thursday, a day that will live in shame in the history of the American news business. Yesterday, last night, every news network in this country, but this one, faithfully surrendered its entire primetime lineup to Nancy Pelosi. So in place of news coverage, people who tuned in got two straight hours of unedited campaign propaganda scripted by the Democratic Party. The effect was North Korean. Every channel the same. Nothing like it has ever happened in this country. Now, the news anchors who faithfully did Pelosi's bidding pretended they were airing some sort of congressional hearing. But they were lying. It was not a hearing. At a hearing, dissent is permitted. The other side can speak. Evidence is presented. Evidence is not censored or deceptively edited. That's not allowed. So what we saw last night was definitely not a hearing. It was a show trial. There was no pretense of fairness or accuracy. The whole thing was indecent. How many people were convinced by what they saw last night? Hmm, right around zero. They're not going to win a single vote. So why'd they do it? There had to be a reason they're not that stupid. Well, the reason they did it is every minute news anchors are whining about some imaginary threat from QAnon. Remember QAnon? Every minute they're doing that, they're not covering the collapse of the American economy, something everyone actually cares about. Collapse is a strong word, but how would you describe it? Today, inflation hit. 8.6%. 8.6%. Those are the official numbers. Those are the numbers arrived at using the government's own cooked metrics. But it's still the highest increase in inflation in more than 40 years. So it's not surprising that consumer confidence is at the lowest level ever recorded. Why? Really it comes down to energy. The cost of energy is up nearly 40% over last year. The average price of a gallon of gas is now over 5 bucks, but it won't stop there. JP Morgan predicts it'll get to $6 and soon. So when the price of Fuel goes up, so does the price of everything else, because our transportation systems are dependent on the price of fuel. And when it gets high enough, people can't go anywhere, even the police. In Michigan, one department says it can no longer respond to emergency calls because the price of gas has gone too high. "Quote: We've exhausted what funds were budgeted for fuel with several months to go before the budget reset, said the sheriff of Isabella County on Tuesday, quote, I've instructed the deputies to attempt to manage whatever calls are acceptable over the phone. So enforcing the law over the phone. It sounds like a story from the third world, but that's America. It's Michigan. And it's just the beginning. A CNBC survey just found that 68% of corporate CFOs are predicting a recession soon. Zero chief financial officers surveyed by CNBC believed a recession could be avoided. All of them thought it was absolutely inevitable. What are the effects? Well, one of them is staples, food prices. They were already up 5% in December. They're now up more than 10% year over year. So when food becomes too expensive to buy, you have a crisis. How is the administration responding to this crisis, a demonstrable crisis? Well, Biden has just unveiled new regulations on ethanol. By the way, here's a really simple test if you want to know you're speaking to someone who understands anything about science or the environment. Anyone who tells you ethanol is good for the, quote, environment is either ignorant or lying. We know after decades of studying it that ethanol hurts the environment. There is no environmental benefit to ethanol. And there's a massive cost, both to the land and also to you. Thanks to Biden, gasoline refiners will be forced to blend 20 billion gallons of ethanol because it's a renewable fuel for the planet. But what this really is is a requirement from the Biden administration to burn food in your car. That's what ethanol is. It's corn. So what happens when you divert food crops like corn to ethanol production? Well, we know the answer because it's been studied for decades. In 2008, an evolutionary biologist at Cornell called David Pimentel wrote this, quote, the use of corn for ethanol has led to major increases in the price of US beef, chicken, pork, Eggs, bread, cereal, milk. It's a boon to agribusiness and a bane to consumers. In fact, the Director General of the UN Food and Agriculture Organization reports that using 22 pounds of corn to produce one gallon of ethanol is already causing food shortages. Well, of course. That was 2008. This is not news. Anyone who's been paying attention can tell you. Ethanol is bad for the environment. It's terrible for engines. And it is, above all, a disaster for your food supply. So at the same moment we are facing food shortages, the Biden administration has decided to make food scarcer and more expensive. Food will be just as expensive as gasoline. Now, you probably hadn't heard about that. Because once again, last night, every single news network in this country, except ours, was reporting on something else. Here are their priorities.
2: This primetime presentation was both clear and it was compelling. The first in a historic set of hearings here.
1: This is not just
3: about what happened on January 6th or in the days leading up to it. It's about a clear and present danger
4: to our democracy. I have to say, it's just historic to me. This was a hearing unlike any other. I think the committee did a great job tonight. I thought Liz Cheney was particularly strong.
2: It was a, a, a very powerful, very well-produced, if you will, two-hour presentation.
4: Tonight, the January 6th committee concluded the first of a series of its public hearings. And the point was abundantly clear. Our democracy remains in danger.
1: These people. Now, normally you could just say, well, they're dumb. That's why they're in TV in the first place, reading scripts that somebody else wrote. I mean, it really is like Anchorman, if you want to be totally honest about it. Hair hats, reading words they don't understand. That is true. That's actually what it is. But in this case, it's more than ignorance. It's more than stupidity. It's complicity in a campaign to fool the public. To make you believe that your personal concerns, like the fact you can't buy food or drive anywhere or the police won't come because they can't afford gas, those are not important. What's really important is some other thing that you should be terrified of. Russia, it's Putin, it's QAnon, it's the white supremacists, they're going to get you. And anyone who worries about gas prices, anyone who's concerned about how to feed his or her family, gets a lecture that actually you're just selfish. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, really? Or whatever the talking point is. Here was CNN last night, watch.
3: But I think for something like this to happen, to have an attack on the Capitol, to have an attack on our democracy, to have a president of the United States saying um, that he won the election when he didn't, I think that is more important than anything. If you don't have a functioning democracy, then it doesn't matter if you have a penny gas prices. You don't have a functioning democracy and people are going to think, well, does this, what does this matter for gas prices or whatever? Okay, fine, we'll get to the gas prices. That's always going to have. What does this mean for inflation? Fine, we'll get to that. We talk about that all the time. Yeah. What this means for our democracy is the most important thing and that's what we should be focusing on.
1: Oh, a civics lesson from Don Lamont. Mr. Lamont, tell us about democracy. What is democracy? Just sum it up for us if you would. It's a term you use a lot. What is democracy? Well, democracy is the process by which government represents voters and their concerns. Voters vote on representatives. They go to Washington and they carry with them in their hearts the memory of the people who put them there and their concerns are first and foremost. So what are the first and foremost concerns of American voters, the people at the heart of this democracy? Well, food and gas prices. But the people who are defending democracy, look at those people and say, shut up, you selfish rube. You really should care about January 6th because democracy... The overwhelming majority of Americans don't care about January 6th. And that's why they need to beat you in the face with it again and again and again. They wouldn't be hysterical. They wouldn't be repetitive. They wouldn't be patronizing if you actually cared. But you don't. So they have to lecture you like a child. So with the midterms approaching, this is the Biden administration's strategy. Talk about something else. Shame you if you don't think it's the most important thing. So Biden began talking. This was a speech that was billed as an address on inflation. But it didn't begin with inflation or any honest account of how we got here and how we're going to get out of it. No. It was about January 6th. Watch.
5: Before I begin, I want to say a few words very briefly about the January 6th hearings that were highlighted last night. The insurrection on January 6th, one of the darkest chapters in our nation's history, a brutal assault on our democracy, brutal attack on law enforcement some losing their lives, and we, yeah, we heard about it last night again. They'll know together, and I mean this, we can unite and defend this nation, Democrat and Republican, and allow no one to place a da- dagger at the throat of our democracy. <laughs>
1: I mean, the overstatement is so ridiculous. You look at everything that's going on in the world, We know what happened on January 6th because no event in human history has had more cameras trained on it. You can watch the video. You can spend the rest of your life watching the video on the Internet. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Get back to us. Does that look like a dagger at the heart of democracy? Is that the darkest chapter in American history? It's like insane that you even talk like that. It's QAnon, really. Trump is bad. It's repulsive, actually, when you think about it. Russia is threatening to destroy New York City with nuclear weapons. So how are we doing on that front? Well, it turns out we're sourcing a critical component in our ammunition, not just small arms, but nuclear weapons from China. So at a moment, we're actually closer to war than at any time in your lifetime, at any time since 1945, since the big war ended. We're closer right now than at any time since then. And what are we doing about this? What's the State Department doing to fix the crisis in Eastern Europe? Well, they have, they just announced this, They've hired a global equity ambassador. Oh, that'll fix it. Oh, more equity. This is nuts. It's like rearranging bookshelves by title as your house burns down. This is a species of mental illness. Everybody sees how fake this is. Nobody is convinced by it. It was just two years ago, live on television, summer of 2020, a mob of Biden voters tried to storm the White House. Remember this? They torched a church across the street. They attacked Secret Service officers. A mob called for the President of the United States to be lynched. He was taken to an underground bunker for his safety. We don't like to be hysterical, so we kind of downplayed it at the time. Probably shouldn't have. Maybe we should have been as, as, as hysterical as Joe Biden. This is Pearl Harbor. But that would have been lying, so we didn't. This is what our country's capital looked like at the time. You you really sort of hate to get into the war of, well, you think that's bad? This was worse. Look at our tape. But really, it's just too much. Stop lying to us. Stop telling us things that we know for a fact are not true because we watch them in real time. You didn't hear anything about that last night, about similar riots that destroyed cities all over the United States. You didn't hear a single word. None of that was a dagger at the throat of our democracy. All of it happened in an election year with the aim of influencing the election. Unmentioned, you heard not one word about the guy who just tried to assassinate a Supreme Court justice at his home at the urging of the Senate Majority Leader. Can't talk about any of this. These topics, like the state of the U.S. economy, are now off limits. You have to pretend that January 6, 2021, remains the single worst thing ever to happen to America even though not one living person really believes that. And if you don't say so, if you don't confess the one true faith in public, you'll be hurt. It just happened to an NFL coach called Jack Del Rio. He just learned this lesson. A completely Soviet moment. We've got more on that in just a minute. But first, take a few steps back. So this is a perverse arrangement. And you've got to wonder who benefits. The Congress and the entirety of corporate media Bury the actual problems facing the United States. Pretend like they're not even happening. Why are they doing this? And who is getting rich from it? Inflation doesn't happen by accident. It's the product of choices. The inflation we're now living through was created on purpose. The United States government got to a place where the debt was too big. And the only answer was to inflate it away. If you are a major debt holder... The only way out for you is to make the money less valuable. And so they did this on purpose. They want inflation to skyrocket, of course, and continue to rise. You're not going to hear any of that from the professional commentators on cable news, but you will hear it from people who still have common sense, like this guy at a gas station the other day. Watch this.
3: The economic jolts is not felt equally. A new Bank of America report found household credit card spending for fuel surged to 7.8% by the end of May, but a whopping 9.5% for families making under
5: $50,000. They call it inflation, but somebody's, somebody's pocket are getting inflated. We're the ones hurting down here, you know, the poor people.
1: Okay. So inflation almost certainly is hurting you. In fact, a new analysis out today showed that the average family will pay this year a full month in its total income just in inflation a full month who's it good for well if you've got massive corporate debt it's a really good deal because you get to pay yesterday's accounts yesterday's debts with today's inflated dollars that money has lower real value so you are getting a deal it's a scam they're doing this on purpose But you could only pull that off if the people you were hurting were completely distracted. So let's scream at them some more about January 6th. Then they might not notice. At this point, we don't really have a choice but to tolerate inflation. That's the truth. The traditional way to attack inflation is to raise interest rates. But inflation has gotten so high that it's going to be pretty tough to do that. U.S. debt to GDP now stands at nearly 125%. That means for every point we raise the interest rate, we're going to wind up paying even more in interest charges on that debt. If the Fed tries to raise interest rates anyway to the point they might actually affect inflation, what will that do? What will that do? Let's say you bumped at 11 points, I mean, which you'd probably have to do to get inflation under control. Jerome Powell, who runs the Fed, has already said there's no limit to how high interest rates could go. At least one financial expert has said 6% interest rates could be coming, and maybe that's just a start on top of the ones we've already seen. Now, what would that mean for you? Well, interest rates that high would crush Americans with credit card debt. And that's most of the country. In fact, it's the highest rate ever. It would make buying a house basically impossible. It would crash markets. It would crush asset prices. Are we going to do that? That's kind of our option. Probably not. So record inflation is likely here to stay. If you want to know why they're talking about January 6th in primetime, that's why. Brian Dean Wright is a former CIA officer. He is a Democrat. He joins us tonight. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. You know, you just wish that someone in Washington would just be honest with us and stop telling us things that are so clearly untrue that it's insulting for them to say it. And just look right into the camera and say, you know, the war in Ukraine obviously has affected a lot of different things, but Putin didn't do this. We did it. And we're going to try and fix it. Why don't they just say that? Everyone knows it. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of things that
3: I think a lot of us are asking tonight. For instance, if we're going to have a thoughtful conversation about what's happening now and on January 6th, why aren't we talking about the number of FBI agents who were involved that day and the degree oh, to which any you. of them inc- in- encouraged criminality, uh, or encouraged uh, riots? That's an important part of this conversation. We're not having it. Why is that? In the meantime, why aren't we talking about all the things that you just highlighted? Clearly, there's some some big issues happening in this country. For instance, 100,000 dead Americans. You would think that that would get some people's attention in Washington, D.C. Those are the numbers of people who died last year because of drug overdoses, drugs coming from China and Mexico. The government of China knows where those drugs are coming from. They know the companies that are producing it. The Mexican government, they know the cartels that are producing this stuff. And in fact, the Mexican government is actually embedded in some of these cartels. That's right. why isn't our Congress, why isn't our president asking tough questions about that? Why aren't we coming up with a plan of attack on that? We should be. Oh, by the way, should we also not talk about the 10,000 plus people who are marching towards our border right now as you and I speak? They're going to join the some 20 million other illegal immigrants who have come into this country. And we could talk about the cost of all that, and we should. But shouldn't we also talk about what happens when a country effectively doesn't have a border, when the the world laughs at us and just comes across? I mean, look, there are so many things we need to be wrestling with. Our young men, why are they using guns and knives in their cars and they're killing uh, their peers at school? You know, Ukraine. Let's talk more about that. Afghanistan. Boy, trillions of dollars spent there. And by the way, I don't know if you saw this report. Al Qaeda regrouping. Two more years, and they will be able to attack this country. On Monday, I have a podcast called the President's Daily Brief, and we're going to talk about the fact. In one week's time, Capitol Hill is going to be discussing the fact that Al Qaeda is regrouping. But it's a a classified briefing. It's a secret briefing. So why aren't we talking about that instead? Well, I think we all have a pretty good
1: idea. It's called November elections. They're nervous, and they're hiding the important things. Ah, but no one's buying it. It's scary. The disconnect between what people care about and what they're addressing is too wide, and I think it's dangerous, actually. Brian Dean Wright, appreciate it. Congrats on the podcast, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So two you. nights ago in CBS News, Bob Costa used to work at National Review and should know better and does know better, told his viewers that five police officers were killed by the mob at the Capitol on January 6th. That's a lie. None were. One person was shot to death on the Capitol that day and her name was Ashley Babbitt. There was no mention of her whatsoever at last night's hearing. Ashley Babbitt's husband joins us next because he deserves to speak too.
0: Okay, do you know what's going on in New Zealand? I mean, there's, there's a genocide going on in New Zealand. No one's, no one's talking about it. Everyone thinks it's great, that uh, New Zealand is is working on making the country predator free. I mean, how racist is that? Uh, isn't that just like you didn't ride, I mean, Jew free. Uh, I mean, is it, is there really any well, difference?
6: She's a kiwi bird, New Zealand's national symbol. This she's so flightless.
0: Absolutely sick. Along with
6: other New Zealand bird species, they Can are easy pickings it? for rats, stoats, and predators and many of these unique so species are now endangered. That's because, historically, Ranked New Zealand was a bird haven, having split away from the ancient supercontinent called Gonwanaland before mammals evolved. I thought we got past this. So these little guys used to be dominant and had little to fear. But then, 800 years ago, that all changed. So
0: Is he talking about Anglos here? I mean, is he just trying to prepare the way for some plan to, to get rid of Anglos?
7: When humans arrived, they brought these uh, terrestrial mammals that uh, walk on four legs and hunt by smell. And that was something very new to our birds, which we're used to being hunted by sight. And so when a bird freezes to avoid being
0: This is another Holocaust. I mean, this is what Jews have suffered so many times. And, And let me just tell you, as a Jew, I'm just so much more morally sensitive than you are. I'm just so much more morally superior. When I converted to Orthodox Judaism, I got this whole moral sensitivity kit along with the uh, money lending kit. It, it was awesome. So I'm reading this uh, new book on Jacob Taubes, Professor of Apocalypse. Uh, let me tell you about what was going on in Switzerland, right? Do you even know about the precarious position of Swiss Jewry? So Jews in Switzerland in the 1930s, there were fewer number, they were far less prominent in Swiss life than were their counterparts in Germany, Austria, France. And guess what the Swiss were committed to keeping it that way. All right. Even in Zurich, it had the largest concentration of Jews. They only made up 1.7% of the population compared to 10% in cities like Berlin and Vienna. Think about how much more prosperous and lively more vibrant Zurich could have been with a 10% Jewish population or a 40% or a 70% or a 90% Jewish population. I mean, that place would have been totally rocking. So there are only 20,000 Jews across the entire country. I mean, how racist is that? Jews constitute less than half a percent of the Swedish population, and only half of those possess Swiss citizenship. The rest were classified, guess how they were classified? As foreigners. So Switzerland was sparing and granting citizenship rights, especially to Jews, and especially to Jews of Eastern European origin. Right? I mean, how racist is that? So in 1894, the Swiss government banned the kosher slaughter of meat, ostensibly on the grounds of animal protection. And you got other countries doing the same thing now, banning kosher slaughtering. But we really know what's going on. They want to they discourage the ongoing migration of Jews into the country and prefer native people to Jewish immigrants. Just like they're trying to prefer in New Zealand like native forms of life compared to immigration life, like who's to say that one type of bird is better than another type of bird? Like what what makes like natives superior to those who feel in their heart that they're really New Zealanders? I'm totally sick of the way that the New Zealand lobby is completely distorting public discourse in this country. They they dominate our foreign policy our whole foreign policy is distorted because of the New Zealand Lobby I mean we were attacked on 9-11 by al-Qaeda in primary reason because of the New Zealand Lobby and everyone's too frightened to say anything about it like this genocidal regime that that's trying to make his country predator free and and they're trying to tell us you know how, how we should speak and how we should behave and they're trying to censor us. And, and people who speak out against the New Zealand lobby, right? they get their careers squashed. I mean, there's a whole New Zealand lobby organization that goes around and they find anyone who speaks out like college students who speak out against the New Zealand lobby. Well, they just destroy their careers. They just, the New Zealand lobby is so influential in hiring. People are afraid that they won't be able to get jobs if they stand up to the New Zealand lobby. Don't be afraid.
1: Interaction is when people with guns try to overthrow the government. Not a single person in the crowd on January 6 was found to be carrying a firearm. Not one. And only one person that day was killed with a firearm. It was an unarmed woman, an Air Force veteran, called Ashley Babbitt, a little over five feet tall, no weapon whatsoever, no threat whatsoever, and she was shot in the neck. Now, the man who shot her was a Capitol Hill police officer called Mike Bird, the same Mike Bird who had left a loaded Glock in the men's room at the Capitol but somehow wasn't fired. Leaving a loaded weapon in a men's room, if you're a cop, that's a deal killer. But this guy kept his job. How? He later admitted, Mike Bird did, that he knew that Ashley Babbitt likely didn't have a weapon, that she wasn't really a threat. So if you were investigating what happened that day, you'd think you'd ask, well, wh- wait, why did he shoot someone he knew did not pose a deadly threat to him? But no one ever investigated that. And during the proceedings last night, and we checked, Ashley Babbitt's name was not mentioned a single time. So what's the message of that? Aaron Babbitt was her husband. He joins us tonight. Aaron, thank you very much for coming on. Once again, we're so sorry about what happened. Your wife did not deserve to be shot to death by Mike Byrd. But the fact that she wasn't even mentioned at a hearing about January 6th, what message do you think that sent?
8: Honestly, I wasn't surprised, Tucker. I mean, I had no intentions of watching it in the first place, but we can go back, you know, seven, eight months ago. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but a sitting member on that panel, Adam Kinzinger, publicly donated to Michael Bird's GoFundMe. He gave him $200 and then he boasts about it on his own Twitter. And then we can go back to last week where uh, I was listening to uh, Mayor, Mayor Giuliani's radio show. And when he was getting questioned by them, he straight up asked them, are you going to talk about Ashley Babbitt? And he said everybody just blankly stared at him, looked down and looked like they were following a fly around the room. So I, I knew they weren't going to be talking about Ashley at this thing.
1: But, but to shoot an unarmed woman is so immoral and so dishonorable for a man to do that. How could you ever encourage that? I mean, what would you be thinking? If if you would encourage that, aren't you really saying anyone who disagrees with me should be killed?
8: Well, I truly believe in my heart that they know it's it's murder. So, I mean, they can't admit to it. So they have to just bypass it and blow by it and just act like it never happened.
1: Ha, uh, did, did Kinzinger call you? Did Lindsey Graham, who encouraged the Capitol Police to shoot more Trump voters, has anyone ever called you and said, you know, we disagree, but I'm really sorry that your wife was shot in the neck and killed?
8: No, no, I've never received a call from anybody from Congress. I mean, we do have members of Congress that are openly helping us and championing us, but I've not received any phone calls regarding the, the death of my wife other than January 6th. Uh, Darrell Issa called me that, that night.
1: So we've got new evidence or evidence has come out subsequent to January 6th that shows that your wife not only was not posing a threat, but was preventing others from
8: posing a threat. Can you characterize that for us? I mean, it appears to me that way. You know, everybody was caught up in the emotion and the energy that day, but I I know my wife and I, I could see the change in her demeanor once she started things getting hectic at those doors, once she started, you know, what we now know are bad actors you know, breaking down those doors and breaking down those windows. I, I specifically hear her, and I urge everybody to listen to it. She's yelling at them to stop. No, don't wait. And I can see the yeah. agitation on her. The police move, and it just it turned chaotic and very confusing for somebody that was not there causing violence.
1: Yeah. Well, it would be interesting to have members of Congress, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, Lindsey Graham, come on and explain how many other unarmed women should be shot to death because they have the wrong politics. I would be, be, be really interested... Uh, to hear them. We, in the meantime, we appreciate your coming on tonight. Aaron Babbitt, thank you very much.
8: Absolutely. Thank you, Tucker.
1: Speaking of stories that matter, that are undercovered, scientists have discovered mysterious and powerful radio signals coming from deep space.
5: Whoa, whoa.
0: And why are they trying to keep the UFOs from us? Like the UFOs just want to come here on a mission of radical love and inclusion and, and our elite are keeping us from from knowing what these powerful signals from outer space are really teaching us. But uh, let me go back to all the racism going on in Switzerland. All right, so in 1894, the Swiss government banned the kosher slaughter of meat right, to discourage the ongoing migration of Jews to their country. And that's still going on in countries today. Countries think, oh, it's A-OK, we'll ban kosher meat slaughtering uh, on the, the grounds of, oh, we care about animals. But we know what's really going on. You're trying to keep Jews out of your country. And then these regulations just kept getting tighter and tighter. All right, 1912, the Canton of Zurich enacted regulations to block the granting of citizenship to Jews from Eastern Europe. And by 1930s, Jews were required to show residency in the country for 20 years before they could apply for citizenship. And the quota of Jews permitted to receive the status of citizen was set at 12 per annum for all of Switzerland. Alright, so, so keep that in mind as you see what New Zealand is doing. It just makes it even easier for a rat or a
7: cat to smell it and walk up to it. So that's really the, the dilemma we're in and that these birds are so vulnerable to these uh, introduced mammal species. New Zealand's government
6: is now working to implement a radical plan to make the country completely predator-free by 2050. It hopes to achieve it with the help of technology like this.
0: Wow, like what would happen if I ran on a platform for public office in this country saying I wanted to make this country predator-free by 2050? You know how I'd be denounced by the news media?
6: A resetting trap that will kill off pesky predators. This is
7: how it works. And an animal comes in from below. This is installed, set onto a tree. Animal comes up from underneath and activates a little trigger. And that sets in motion a little striker that comes across and hits them in the back of the head. The animal falls out and the trap it, resets it's itself. It's just like a gas chamber. And it does that 24 times.
6: It's just like Auschwitz. But these plans have been ruffling some feathers.
0: I mean, what can I say? You want me to sit back and say, oh, you know, first they came for the stoat and I wasn't a stoat. So I, I just ignored it. And then then they came for the possums, and, and I wasn't a possum, so I did nothing. Then they came for the weasels, and I wasn't a weasel, so I did nothing. Then they came for the brown rats, and I wasn't a brown rat, and so I did nothing. Then they came for the black rats, just rank racism, and I did nothing because I wasn't a black rat and then they came for me, right? That's how that's how genocide progresses. I mean, the United Nations has taught us about this. I
7: characterize the
0: Predator Free 2050 as extremist environmentalism. Total extremism. Uh, I don't think
7: it's achievable. It's dangerous. I don't think it's necessary to protect the biodiversity most vulnerable, and I don't think it's the best way to lift New Zealand's environment.
6: Supporters of the policy hope that one day New Zealand will once again be a safe environment for birds like mahua.
0: Oh, oh, so you're saying to, to create a safe environment for some native forms of life that you have to just wipe out super predators? That by creating safe spaces for, for select groups, then we have to ban immigrants? I mean, that's what you're saying. You're saying no more immigrants, and if we find any immigrant forms of life here, we're just going to hunt them down, and we're going to kill them so that the natives can thrive. Like, who says that native New Zealanders are any more valuable, any more precious, or even any more real New Zealanders than some some forms of life in, say, Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or Nigeria or, or Timbuktu? Like why why is it that, that natives should be preferred to other people who have a dream of being free and and living living the dream in new zealand right, what makes natives better than than immigrants i mean immigration nation is what new zealand's all about and now you're just not just slamming the door shut you're just hunting down and wiping out these immigrants
6: who might be flightless but it's certainly fast Nick Davis Jones
0: and the government's totally behind this. Uh, we share Altero with some
9: pretty special native wildlife.
0: Yeah, they're, they're this is like disturber, right? This is this is Disturmer. This is like Joseph Goebbels, he's got his own ministry of, of disinformation. right? this isn't misinformation, this is deliberate government propaganda to make people want to kill those forms of life that they label as predators but really a predator is just a friend that you don't know yet, right? The government here in New Zealand wants to make you all afraid and all upset and all angry and hateful towards super predators. But everyone that the government tells you is a super predator, they're just a friend that you haven't made yet.
9: For millions of years, their only predators were birds and our only mammals were a couple of bats. But when early settlers introduced animals like rats, possums, and stoats, they put our native species at risk.
0: Oh, oh, so native species, they're at risk now. So because the native species, they feel uncomfortable. So therefore, we have to wipe out immigrants because some of the natives aren't ready for multiculturalism, right? New Zealand is going to have to learn to be multicultural, and Jews are going to play a prominent role in teaching New Zealanders how to be multicultural because without multiculturalism, New Zealand will not survive. So I'm here to teach the Kiwis how to be multicultural. I mean, notice this in-group versus out-group language they're using. It's like, oh, to preserve a safe space, to to stand up for the insecurities and the inferiorities, you know, the, just the, the lack of you know, the lack of willpower and diligence. I mean, like the, the natives here, they probably don't work very hard. And so so they, they're trying to wipe out competition from immigrants who will be more diligent, who will be more innovative, whose blood is, is younger and, and, and richer and, and more vibrant. What New Zealand needs is this vibrant immigration blood. New Zealand badly needs a blood transfusion from these from these stoats and brown rats and, and possums and, and black rats. That's what New Zealand needs. Because right now New Zealand is filled with this tired old white blood and that's just not gonna get it done. Because if New Zealand's gonna survive, it's gonna have to become vibrant and multicultural. And Jews are gonna play a leading role in teaching New Zealand how to be multicultural
9: in the rest of the world birds had evolved to protect themselves from mammals our birds were used to eagles and harriers predators in the sky with keen eyes so they had
0: oh our birds like our people like our anglos like oh our our native you know our native kiwis all right you know our people we're just we're just too sensitive we're just too precious We, we just can't compete in an open market Well, guess what? The free market will make you free. And it will make you rich. And it will make you prosperous. And if you can't compete in the free market, you don't deserve to survive. All right? I'm simply echoing the Koch brothers. All right? I just want to introduce a free market into this protective zone that New Zealand's got going on, just trying to wipe out Everyone who might pose a little bit of competition for their natives, they just want to coddle their, their native wildlife. Just just try to make a safe space for, for these forms of life who simply can't compete in a free market. Like I, I'm opposed to this government intervention.
9: Evolved to stick close to the ground and freeze to avoid being seen. This doesn't work when your enemy is also on the ground. So New Zealanders made a choice to start protecting our native taonga from invasive predators. Kiwi community groups, businesses, and individuals are working together with government departments using traps to make our country safer for its native...
0: This is just like the Holocaust, all right? You've got business, you've got people, you've got the government, you've got law enforcement, right? right? You've got academia, right? The first Einsatzgruppen, they came from the German academies, all right? So... The, the new Einsatzgruppen in, in, in New Zealand, they're coming from their most prestigious institutions, and no one can say anything because they're too afraid of the New Zealand lobby. Well, I am not afraid. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. I will stand up to the New Zealand lobby. This New Zealand carnage stops right here and right now. I will be your voice. I will fight for you, and I will win for you. And, and this this incendiary rhetoric about you know immigrants coming to New Zealand and they bring their problems with them. You know they they bring drugs. They're rapists. I, I won't stand for that kind of exclusionary talk. I, I didn't we learn anything from the Holocaust?
9: Of animals. In difficult-to-reach places where trapping isn't possible, 1080 is distributed. This biodegradable toxin is useful in New Zealand as it targets mammals, not our native species.
0: Right, right. This is just what they used in Auschwitz. And and this is exactly what De was talking about. This is exactly what Joseph Goebbels was talking about. Right. Oh, we're we're just going to use gas and and it's only going to target Jews. It's not going to interfere with the, the natives. Because, because, you know, these outsiders, they're not real Germans. So here, the New Zealand government is trying to teach people that these immigrant forms of life, that they're not real New Zealanders. When really, the most real New Zealanders out there are people being born right now in Afghanistan. People being born right now in Africa, who haven't even heard of New Zealand, but they are the true New Zealanders.
9: It also breaks down quickly in the environment and doesn't leave a permanent residue in water, soil, plants, or animals. We now have small predator-free havens throughout the country, including offshore islands where our birds can thrive.
0: So is that what we're going to have in the United States? We're going to have predator-free zones where immigrants aren't going to be allowed? I mean, this is like Jim Crow, right? This is New Zealand imitating the very worst parts of American history and instituting Jim Crow laws of of just the most blatant and vicious and violent forms of racial discrimination all throughout the country, setting up these, like, safe zones where immigrants aren't allowed.
9: But we can't stop now. Lots of our creatures still aren't safe from predators. We want to create a new New Zealand, a safe, predator-free sanctuary for our nation.
0: I know what you're saying when you say "predator free." You're saying you hate black people, right? You hate Muslims. Uh, I, I mean, you, you hate people who commit disproportionate amounts of certain types of white collar crime, right? I know, I know this doublespeak. I know what you're trying to do. This is like creating like government agencies to to limit how many pages need to be on a mortgage application. All right, you you think it's easy for me? out there making these cash advances, right? I mean, luckily cash advance is unregulated, so I, I like I can make cash advances all day long. But trying to sell a mortgage loan, and, and now the government says, oh, you have to keep it on just a certain number of pages, like the requirements, and, and you need to make it understandable to, to people. Well, how am I gonna make any money when, when you regulate me like that?
9: Native birds and animals. By using the methods we already have and thinking of bigger, more ambitious ways to protect our species, we can make New Zealand a safe place for the animals who've called it home for millions of years.
0: Oh, so if people live in a place for millions of years, somehow they have more of a right to it than people on the other side of the world? I mean, this is just blood and soil nationalism. I'm going to call it out for what it is. It's blood and soil nationalism. Frankly, it makes me absolutely sick. Recently,
10: New Zealanders have been spending their free time doing something unusual. They're trapping rats. It's a common pastime.
0: Right. See, they're they're trapping Norwegian immigrant rats. And this is applauded. Our elites think this is awesome. Like, this is the way to go. You track down immigrants and you kill them. Right. That's what's going on. It's it's a rat apocalypse. It's a rat holocaust and no one will say it because they're afraid of repercussions from the New Zealand lobby. Well here is a man who is not afraid. I will stand up to the New Zealand lobby.
10: Rats are an invasive predator in New Zealand. So the country's come up with an ambitious plan to kill them.
0: Yeah, right. So you know, now you're saying, Oh, Norwegian black rats that they're they're a vicious predator. And soon, you're going to be saying that against, what, Mexicans and black people and and Jews and, you know, mortgage brokers and advanced lenders and, you know, quick uh, payday lenders and uh, jewelers. I mean, where does it end?
10: All of them. But could this ever possibly work?
0: Oh, so could it work? Not, is this morally right? I mean, is this genocide? Is this sanctioned by international law? Does the United Nations favor this? What would Barbara Lerner Specter say about this? No, they don't care about that. All they care about does it work. Like, will, make, will it make life better for, for native people? Well, what about the immigrants, right? What about the rats who are just yearning to breathe free? Like, give me your tired, your poor, your struggling masses of rats yearning to breathe free. I thought that was the whole ethos of New Zealand. Rat apocalypse. The rats
7: that were introduced to New Zealand are just the rats that we're all familiar with. They have extraordinary senses of smell, of touch. They are incredibly resourceful, which is partly why they're a problem.
10: Rats were first introduced into the country.
0: Yeah, so immigrants, they're just too resourceful. They just work too hard. All right, this is the same rhetoric behind the, the, the anti-Chinese labor legislation in California in the 19th century. Is like, oh, those Chinese, they work too hard. They're too resourceful. They outcompete the natives. We can't have that. We need to have government intervention to artificially manipulate the labor supply
10: in the 13th century, when they hitched rides on voyaging canoes. Before then, the only mammals on the island were tiny, finger-sized bats.
7: Rats are prolific. Uh, They breed easily. They get everywhere. They're very hard to get rid of once they're in a place.
10: Invasive predators, like rats, are a nuisance everywhere. But in New
0: Zealand... Wow, so we're just taking whole slices of immigrants and just calling them invasive predators and saying that they they are at nuisances everywhere, right? And so think about the ideology behind this kind of propaganda. The ideology is that government will save us. The government is the answer to the problem. Well, let me tell you, I've studied Milton Friedman and Friedrich Hayek, and government isn't the answer. Government is the problem. It's this kind of vicious racial discrimination that that, that created Auschwitz. And I'm not going to be afraid to to call it out, no matter how powerful the New Zealand lobby is. So I've been reading this book, scientist EO Wilson, life in nature is it's a biography of EO Wilson. And really, really shocking stuff that they found, right? I mean, you're just not gonna, you're not gonna believe what they found. So apparently, when you have a place and you bring in new species, well, at the same time, you wipe out native species. Like, Can you, can you believe that? Right, you bring in new species, and I would think everyone would just live together in radical love and inclusion, but that's not how, how it really works. So I'm pretty shocked to learn that the immigration of new species comes to match the extinction of settled species. I mean, you're telling me that nature is red in tooth and claw. And then this book is really shocking. Apparently, different species require different minimum areas to have a reasonable chance at survival. So not all species need the same amount of space. And and so I, I was shocked. I, I went and uh, looked up invasive species on Wikipedia. Do you know what an invasive species is? It's an introduced organism that becomes overpopulated and harms its environment and then adversely affects habitats and bioregions, causing ecological, environmental, and economic damage. So, oh, we bring in, we allow in, we, we, we at least don't kick out immigrants who overpopulate, harm the environment, and adversely affect you know, our ecology, our environment, and our, our economy. So, essentially, the elites are telling me here that different species have different gifts different species have different interests and that while natural resources are limited uh, species desire is infinite and so effectively what this government propaganda and elite news media propaganda is telling me that diversity and proximity leads to tragedy and mass death i
10: can't believe they're causing an ecological disaster
0: oh
7: god Islands worldwide tend to be hotbeds of evolution because the animals and plants that find themselves on islands are separated off from relatives on the mainland and so evolve in their own weird and wonderful ways. The bird life in New Zealand became incredibly diverse. They are also, um, because of their history, exquisitely vulnerable. They are, many of them, flightless, which means it's very hard for them to escape or to run away. Well, why they learn Remember how to
10: these fly? birds evolved without mammalian right. predators. Why can't they many just fly? Many of them, them don't exist anywhere else in the world. Now they're.
0: All right, so you've got immigrant birds, they know how to fly. Well, if you want to compete, Why don't you just learn how to fly right instead of wiping out the competition instead of this herculean level of government intervention instead of just trying to completely transform society to wipe out your competitors why don't the natives learn how to fly why don't they learn to become as resourceful as the immigrants why don't they learn from the younger more vibrant immigrants like a better way a better way to live it just makes me sick. All, all this government intervention into the free market. Just hunting
7: people They're easy down.
10: prey for hungry rodents.
7: They have wiped out around a quarter of New Zealand's native bird species. The worry is that if the rat problem is not addressed, many more of oh, these the rat unique species are going to go. Right,
0: right. So now it's the rat problem. And 70 years ago, it was the, the Jewish question. Right now, it's not even a question. So they, they wouldn't even talk about, oh... We've got the rat question. Let's talk about whether the presence of large number of rats in our midst is really a good thing for us. They're, they're out-competing the natives. They're just too innovative. They have all these skills that the natives don't have, so they're, they're just wiping out our native middle class. They're, they're seizing control of the means of production. They're, they're dominating the various professions, and, and so we just got to get, get rid of these immigrants. I mean, this is, this is a slippery slope to Auschwitz. Now one, now one will talk about it because they're too afraid.
1: Del Rio is a football coach. He's defensive coordinator for the Washington Commanders, formerly known as the Redskins. Tell for some reason that was unacceptable. So a few days ago, Del Rio pointed out that nobody seems to talk about the BLM riots anymore. And said they're pretending to care about January 6th. Well, he was attacked for this because you're not allowed to like tell the truth on any level whatsoever. So he came back and said he stood by his comments. Here's what he said.
11: I think we all as Americans have the right to express ourselves,
1: especially if you're being
11: respectful. I'm being respectful. I just asked a simple question. Really, did I? It, let's get right do- down to it. What did I ask? A simple question. Why are we not looking into those things?
1: Oh, he thought he had a right to respectfully express himself in the land of the free, but it turns out no. Just hours ago, the coach of the Washington Commanders, a fascist moron called Ron Rivera, announced that Jack Del Rio has no right to talk and he's being fined $100,000 for doing it. Rivera began by claiming that, quote, lives were lost on January 6th, which is a lie. Then he continued this way, quote, Our organization will not tolerate any equivalency between those who demanded justice in the wake of George Floyd's murder and the actions of those on January 6th. Who sought to topple our government? End quote. If you can think of a line more filled with can't dishonesty and propaganda than that, send us a text and tell us what it is, because we can't. I mean, that's just flat out Maoist. Basically, what he's saying is shut up. You're no longer allowed to talk. If you disagree with the orthodoxy, you will be punished. This is an NFL team, and it's happening everywhere. ESPN has publicly shamed baseball players for refusing to wear pride patches on their uniforms.
12: They're bigots! This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children, prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences.
1: Sarah, Spain. Yeah. Believing in God is a threat to my rights. Imagine how fun her personal life is. She looks happy. Clay Travis is the founder, co-founder of Outkick. He joins us tonight. So Clay, professional sports were a masculine domain. Any expression of masculine sensibility to traditional masculine virtues is now illegal. So the left just kind of came in and took over professional sports. So it seems like what happened.
2: You're 100% right. And that's why I haven't been surprised by sort of the continued scope of censorious culture that we've seen steal out across the entire landscape of American life. Because, Tucker, when I first started coming on your show, all I did was talk about sports. And it was troubling to me what I saw, which is if you were willing to even ask a question like Ron Rivera did, you got to find $100,000 for pointing out something, by the way, that's 100% true. The BLM protest led to more deaths. They created more destroyed property, billions of dollars more. They also led to far more destruction than what happened on January 6th. And yet nobody has ever bothered to look into it and say, hey, wait a minute. Who organized all of these protests? What was behind them? And oh, by the way, why were Democrats able to bail out people who were arrested for violent crimes? And now we're going to have primetime hearings on January 6th? The message that's being sent there, and by the way, that was ESPN broadcasting. You come home, you pop open a beer, and you get a random person on ESPN telling you that you're a bigot if you don't wear a pride flag on your uniform at work. This is what the world has created, Tucker. They are sending a message, not just to Ron Rivera and not just to those Tampa Bay Rays players, but to the thousands of other people involved in professional athletics. That is, shut up if you tell us what you think, And we don't like it. We're going to come after you, your profession, and your livelihood. And this is what has spread from sports to everywhere else. Tucker, sports media is more liberal than the political media. Because without OutKick, there wouldn't even hardly be anybody in the world of sports saying, wait a minute, maybe Ron Rivera is entitled to his opinion. And without Fox News, there wouldn't really be this in the world of politics either. It's crazy where we are. I'm blown away. When I saw this news come out, I couldn't believe it.
1: So the statement from the Redskins was so Stalinist. Yes. That you have to wonder about the owner, Dan Snyder, who's, I don't think he's crazy. Why would he put up with that?
2: I think that there's all sorts of political maneuvers that are going on right there. If you want to get behind it, they're trying to build a new stadium in Virginia. Dan Snyder's been under fire for cheerleader-related transgressions. By the way... Congratulations to the NFL, the Carolina Panthers, Tucker. I don't know if you know this, now have a transgender cheerleader because I know everybody out there in the NFL who's uh, watching the games has been clamoring, begging for there to be a man pretending to be a woman on the sideline uh, wearing a cheerleading uniform. Uh, But this is the world that we now live in in athletics. And it's not only that, look, you should be able to say whatever you think. The same people, Tucker, who have been losing their minds over punishment to Colin Kaepernick for his political beliefs But I haven't seen them say a word about Ron Rivera being fined for his, which is the next level move in the world of sports.
1: Clay Travis, for us tonight, great to see you. Thank you.
2: Great to see you as well. Have a fantastic weekend.
1: So Kevin McCarthy runs the Republican Party in the House. If they retake the House, he'll be Speaker. Super PAC is spending a lot of money to boost a congressional candidate in Nevada called Mark Amaday. Now, another Republican running the race, Danny Tarkanian, says that Kevin McCarthy is effectively backing a liberal. Now, we're not from the States.
0: Okay, I mean, this is all small potatoes when there's a whole rat holocaust going on in New Zealand. I mean, listen to this exterminationist rhetoric.
10: With the fate of rare birds like the kiwi and the kakapo at stake.
0: Well, what makes these rare birds better than some brown rat, right? It's like you know ask you what what makes some beautiful brilliant talented you know young woman you know better than some low iq predatory you know criminal who's you know naked on the streets and uh, molesting children come on now
10: new zealand is enacting a radical new plan called predator free 2050
9: we want to create a new New Zealand, a safe, predator-free sanctuary for... This is just what Hitler talked
0: about. This is just straight out of the Joseph Goebbels playbook.
9: ...our native birds and animals.
10: Predator Free 2050 is New Zealand's ambitious goal to rid the entire country of introduced mammalian
0: predators. Rats, ferrets and possums.
10: Currently, New Zealand's predator-free approach consists of using pesticides and encouraging citizen trapping.
0: I mean, this is like the worst rhetoric of Donald Trump times 10.
10: But they have a lot of ground to cover.
7: The largest success story ever for rat eradication has been Macquarie Island in Australia, which is 50 square miles. Now, New Zealand is 2,000 times that size, it's huge. The idea of doing that across an entire country still just seems like such a monumental task. You need to...
0: And you notice, like, the, the news media is cheering on this rat holocaust. So just remember this, right? First they came for the stoat, and you weren't a stoat, so you did nothing. Then they came for the possum, and you weren't a possum, so you did nothing. Right. Then they came for the brown rats, and you were a brown rat, so you did nothing. Then they came for the black rats, and you were a black rat, so you did nothing.
7: Be dropping poisons about the place. They're you dropping be scouring, scouring acres of land, looking Hunting for them signs down, of rats, trying to kill them.
10: In addition to these grassroots measures, they're considering a revolutionary new technique
7: a technique for editing DNA.
0: Chris- this is eugenics, right? This is eugenics. This is straight out of Hitler's Germany, which he, he borrowed from the eugenic practices of, of the United States. I mean, soon they're going to tell me that like, oh, three generations of rats, that's enough, right?
7: It combines with a technology called gene drives.
10: Gene drives are still in the experimental stage. In simple terms, the
0: technology okay, so we 're going to alter alter the genes of rats so that they don 't outcompete you know, the natives because the natives are just so precious they can 't face any competition, and, and they 're just too lazy to learn how to fly. Technology
10: implants a specific gene into one generation and ensures its rapid spread.
7: You could imagine, for example, spreading a gene through populations of mosquitoes to make them sterile. Or, in this case... This is just what Julia
0: Stryker just talked about. Right? This is straight out of disturber, and, and
7: no one's willing to take on the New Zealand lobby. ...through populations of rats to make them infertile. Makes me sick. If
10: this strategy succeeds, it could be applied in other ecosystems and help endangered species rebound around the world. But it's incredibly risky.
0: I mean, this exterminationist rhetoric, it comes straight out of the Bible. So I'm reading this book on Jacob Taubes. And his bar mitzvah portion was Shabbat Zahor, the Sabbath of Remembrance. And this is, this is what he chanted, all right? Remember what Amalek did to you on your journey after you left Egypt. How undeterred by fear of God he surprised you on the march when you were famished and weary, cut down all the stragglers in your rear. All right? you could just apply this to rats. Remember what the black rats did to you on your journey. Or you could just apply this to eucalyptus trees. Like Remember what the eucalypti did to you. Therefore, when the Lord your God grants you safety from all your enemies around you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you as a hereditary portion, you shall blot out the memory of the eucalypti from under heaven. Do not forget. Then in his half-Torah portion, the portion from the prophets from 1 Samuel 15, the prophet commands King Saul, Thus says the Lord, I am exacting the penalty for what Amalek slash eucalypti slash black rats did to you for the assault he made upon you on the road. Now go attack Amalek, Eucalypti, black rats, proscribe all that belongs to him. Spare no one, but kill alike, men and women, infants and sucklings. Uh, It's just horrifying genocidal rhetoric. A few chapters earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 15 to 18, God demands a similar wiping out of the seven peoples of the land of Israel. Why? Lest they lead you into doing all the abhorrent things that they have done for their gods. Oh, so we can't have any religious competition. We're unwilling to live in a diverse society. We won't put up with pluralism. No religious freedom for us. No freedom of speech here. I just want you to wipe out the seven nations. So Jacob Taubes says that his bar mitzvah portion sowed the seeds of his suspicion of the law. And then think about eucalyptus trees, right? Think about the problems that, that some people are seeing with eucalyptus trees. And so they want to severely limit uh, the growth of the eucalyptus trees. They, they want to discriminate against
5: eucalypti. Okay, down off of Saratoga Creek, we've got a large blue gum that has died. It's actually got a little bit of sucker growth coming back. But if you look up on the bark, you can see areas all the way up where it's been attacked by, I'm guessing, woodpeckers going after the... So now they're going after
0: dead blue gum eucalypti.
5: Insects under the bark, and I do know that the eucalyptus longhorn borer is a big problem in these trees. I see lots and lots of entry holes way up there.
0: Oh, so we've got a, another animal that just happens to be able to outcompete eucalypti and kill them, and, and so that's a
5: problem. You can't see right, it in well, this video. Very tip of that branch. Yeah, all the way up. So um, that's going to be my educated guess as to what killed it. You know, the secondary. People don't want to talk about the eucalyptus
0: question, but I will, because unlike everyone else, I'm not afraid of the eucalyptus lobby. I am tired of how the eucalyptus lobby is just dominating our politics, dominating our foreign policy, perverting our government, preventing the execution of justice, and sucking up our valuable water resources and, and making life tough for you know, our native wildlife, our native plants, who, who we should put as our top priority
5: infections are going to be the fungus that's going to attack it and make it weaker. So if this tree's got to come down, it's got to come down sooner rather than later. Uh-huh. Because you saw that other tree. What happens when this is another you holocaust? Get all these things. Yeah, there's no hesitation. Yeah, then it becomes uh, really, really dangerous for a climber. Oh, I usually use one year safer as a for climber's a, as a extent of what I'll go up into in a dead tree. But that is species dependent. What do uh, do? Some some oh, trees. Oh, like species
0: an... dependent. All right, this is speciest. Do you do you understand the violence inherent in the system? Like this kind of discriminatory rhetoric, this speciest rhetoric, making making distinctions between different species and implying that like some species are better than others. That that uh, certain species are just genetically born with certain predilections, which are, like, dangerous for other species who have to be specially protected. And so because of no fault of their own, right, we're just going to wipe them out. And and this is is socially acceptable because people are so afraid of the eucalyptus lobby.
5: An alder tree will get really rotten really fast, and they fall down.
0: Oh, oh, so if a tree gets rotten that that's bad that like uh, the ageism here that that somehow is better to be alive than to be rotten that that is better to stand tall than to fall down it, this just makes me sick
13: here's I mean, a video that i've never done before or talked about um, i do lots of videos on eucalyptus trees but this is like a warning about eucalyptus trees and planting them
0: too close to your home uh, or planting Oh, this is like, you know, anti-sex offender rhetoric. Oh, we can't have sex offenders too close to our homes or our schools. We can't have homeless people near our homes and our schools, right? We need to keep bad people. We need to segregate them from the rest of society and put them in prisons, right? What this guy wants to do is take eucalypti and put them in plant prison. And everyone thinks, oh, this is okay. It's the most rank specism.
13: Putting them over top of your favorite plants, kind of like these favorite plants. So, see right there—that's uh, eucalyptus.
0: Okay, so he's he's about to tell you that eucalyptus are going to outcompete the native plants, and therefore the native plants—they need discrimination, they need government intervention, right? They need the heavy hand of government to come in and regulate and limit the use of these these vibrant, you know, immigration trees who just so happen to be out-competing the natives who are just too lazy. Their blood is too tired. They're just too old and stuck in their ways. I mean, the eucalyptus trees are incredibly innovative.
13: Firewood. And uh, that's actually from a branch that came off the tree. Look at the size of that branch. That is massive. I'll put my foot by it so you can see. That's just a branch.
0: Oh, so this species, just because it's big and strong and vibrant, and sucking up a lot of water, and just because it it can, you know, get get caught on fire, that somehow it's not worthy to play with our native plants. That we need to discriminate. This is like Jim Crow all over again, but against eucalypti, right? This is like se- what he wants to institute is separate drinking fountains for eucalyptus trees, right? Oh, we gotta keep, you know, these dangerous immigrant eucalypti. We got to keep them away from our vital bodily fluids, right? We can't let them suck on our essential fluids, you know, on our native water supply, right? Because they'll just outcompete the native plants for water. So no, we need them to go use a different water fountain, right? This is just Jim Crow for plants. This is Jim Crow for trees. It makes me sick and no one will stand up because they're too damn afraid of the eucalyptus lobby who have like seized the high ground of our biggest universities, our most prestigious magazines. They run our movie studios. They run our TV networks. They dominate our courts. Like They're, they're like an infestation. And, and, and no one will stand up and say, the problem is the eucalyptus, right? I am willing to name the eucalypti. Who among you is willing to name the eucalypti? I'm willing to say that we have a eucalyptus infestation problem in our midst. and and when you walk down the street and you see a eucalyptus tree do you think oh that's an american that's a real american there that that's a real californian there that's just like a total native los angelino no they are not one of us they are foreign to us right they are not of our blood and soil they are strangers among us who just clothe themselves to look like other trees like just oh we're just another species no big deal bro you know what about the radical love and inclusion
13: and uh then a 75 foot one fell across there you saw the video that's the root ball there that
0: so just because a 75 foot tree wants to fall or just because some some lending bank you know was a little too innovative just because some merchant bank was like kind of got over its head with derivatives was releasing all these really innovative financial products, and it, you know, there's a hitch, and it falls, and now you want to like point it out and say, "Oh, that's bad." You know, we we want to regulate you more. You need to use a different water fountain.
13: Lifted up the palm, the stump is down here. Left a gaping hole that I'm in the process of filling up. But anyway, I got all the firewood bucked up. So the problem with eucalyptus trees is that they can be brittle in heavy wet snow. So. You can see up there, a branch broke off.
0: Okay, so guess what? Not everyone is equally supple. I mean, I'm a 56-year-old man, and I would say I'm probably in the top 1% of, of suppleness for a for, for 56-year-old man because I do the Alexander Technique. Well, not all eucalypti do the Alexander Technique. But if they were simply instructed, if if the government would fund... Alexander Technique education for eucalypti, we wouldn't have this problem. They wouldn't be so brittle. They wouldn't be falling down all over the place. They would sway, right? They would sway with the wind and the snow and the rain and the earthquakes, right? They would be all brittle and, and, and stiff, right? When, you, when you're stiff and brittle in your body, you'll be brittle and stiff in your thinking and in your emotions, right? These trees simply need Alexander Technique lessons, and I'd be willing to provide these lessons at a very reasonable price.
13: That's the big one right there that I've sawed up with a chainsaw. And then another one busted off right there. And another one broke off up there. These are 100 feet tall. So if I had my way again, uh, planting eucalyptus trees, I wouldn't plant them uh, so close to the house. Our house is here.
0: Oh, we got to keep the eucalypti away from our homes, guys. I was like, I'm not anti-eucalypti. I just don't want them... Near my home. I, I have no problem with eucalyptus. I just don't want them going to my school. I have no problem with eucalyptus. I just don't want them in my town or in my community or in my country. But I have no abstract problem with eucalyptus. I just don't want them close to me.
13: Here. And we've taken a few of these out. And uh, I think we're, we're talking about actually getting these cut down.
0: Oh, God. This and is how you them, Cut
13: down low. We'll get them cut down to about here.
0: Right. They want to go after little baby eucalypti who've never hurt anyone. All right? Eucalypti that are like six months old, you know, just absolutely adorable. They just kind of gaze up in your eyes. All right? Look, every garden needs a eucalypti. Like every grove needs eucalypti. Every plant needs a eucalyptus watching over it and competing with it for water. Competition makes everybody better. You can never have too many eucalypti. Like, I'm all about the free market. Free the eucalypti. Let the eucalypti bang and burn and explode. I say, let a thousand eucalypti bloom. Huh. Eucalyptus cucks. I don't fear the eucalyptus lobby. I am not afraid of the eucalypti mafia. Right, you're telling me, oh, the Eucalypti Mafia, they run this town. You'll never eat lunch in this town again after this video. Yeah, they, they threatened to cancel me. Well, they don't do this to me. I am so mad at these people. I am so mad. Right, right, I'm coming back here a thousand times if I have to. They don't do this to me. My ancestors enslaved those little pieces of trees. They don't do this to me. We're going to ritualistically humiliate them. These little shoots eaten by koala bears, well, they get ruled by people like me. We're going to destroy spiritually these invasive trees. We're just going to wreck this town, all right? I mean, that's the kind of hatred that I'm so opposed to. They'll
13: resprout back again. They will regrow again and um, keep them small. I'm going to cut those. We've had those ones cut down and they're resprouted back again. I'm going to have to cut them again. But
0: The eucalyptus lobby has stalked me for years. I remember a few years ago, I came out of my home at 3 a.m. I had a lot of work to do that day. And there was someone going through my trash, like trying to fight incriminating material. When I came out of my home, they saw me. They just like ran off, jumped into their SUV, you know, took off at a high rate of knots. So I know what it's like to be stalked by this lobby. What can I say? Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God. Right? You can, you can live your whole life on your knees or you can live perhaps just one day on your feet and you can stand up to the eucalyptus lobby.
13: These have to go because if they drop branches, they're going to damage the house and they are getting so big, these things. I grew them all from seed. So we've had several cut down over the years for firewood. We've had this one cut down. And we got it cut down low enough. It never actually came back, thank goodness. And then those ones are sprouting back again. But I'm going to take the pruners and I'm going to cut the top off of those. But these guys are very dangerous trees close to your uh, buildings. And the roots are surface roots.
0: Okay, I, I know what you're thinking. You know, batter my heart, O eucalypti, for you as yet, but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand. Overthrow me, bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like an usurped town, to another do, labor to admit you, but owe to no end. Reason your viceroy in me should defend, but is captive, proves weak or untrue, yet dearly I love you, would be loved fain, but am betrothed unto your enemy. Divorce me, untie me, or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, shall never be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Oh, wait, that's the latest poem from Milo Yiannopoulos. Whoops.
13: Right? So they could wreck a foundation. These are far enough away, and there's a lot of rock in here. They're not making it.
0: All this negative stuff about uh, eucalyptus, and it it just just, makes me sick. Like like people saying, oh, "Oh, eucalyptus catch fire, and and that's bad. Yeah,
8: exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh Oh, Just because they burn Because they're filled with oil And they burn Therefore we're just going to Discriminate against them (laughs) Like just because they burn (laughs) At a high rate Alright so Eucalyptus trees They're just 12% of the population But they make up 50 6% of the fires and therefore we're going to hey, discriminate against them it, right? yeah. I don't think that's okay yeah there's, there's been you know a little Sky bit of, drone
10: five giving us a bird 's eye view of a grove of eucalyptus trees in the south bay the non native tree grows all over the bay area and they pose a real risk when it comes to wildfires k p i x five seven feeling oh. on a new wildfire.
0: oh so just because they they commit an unusual number of fires that 's because of the discrimination that they have faced it 's because of what society has done to them. Society has told them that You know, you should feel bad because you're committing so many fires, right? They have experienced so much hatred from the time they were just little shoots. They've experienced discrimination. They've been spat upon. And and a lot of other people like to like pet them, you know, just run their fingers, you know, over their bark as though it's okay. And so after hundreds and hundreds of years of slavery, now, now the eucalypti are finally living free and people want to destroy them
10: wildfire raising new questions about these trees Devin. yeah eucalyptus
11: trees and eucalyptus groves are everywhere in california and because of their highly flammable nature even a quarter century after the oakland hills fire the efforts to remove
0: oh you're just fine you said you're just fine with the eucalypti tree but you don't want them marrying your daughter i mean you don't have anything against eucalypti but you don't want them marrying into your family, right? You're a bigot, right? You say, oh, that wood smells nice when it's burned, right? That's what people used to say around Auschwitz. Makes me sick.
11: Move or thin them have been decidedly mixed.
0: Do you know why eucalypti is so dominant, right? Because they tend to live in urban centers and they have above average IQs. That's why there are so many Eucalypti chess champions and, and great physicists and Nobel Prize winning economists.
14: The eucalyptus tree uh, has a high oil content. Planted by the. Mill-
0: That's, they're committing the essentialist fallacy that there is like something essential to eucalypti when, as we all know, eucalypti simply respond to circumstance and situation. There's nothing essentially oily about a eucalyptus tree. Right? That is just a response to centuries and centuries of discrimination, racism, uh, violence, and bigotry. So they, they developed oil as a defense against that bigotry. And to like try to boil it down and say, oh, eucalyptus, they have a lot of oil in them. Therefore, they're more dangerous and, and they're more likely to catch on fire and, and more likely to be damaging when they catch on fire. Like they're suffering from the essentialist fallacy that there's like something essential about a Jew or there's something essential about a black man or there's like something essential about a eucalyptus it's a fallacy and if you don't believe me just look up the essentialist fallacy
11: millions by early settlers eucalyptus trees remain a defining feature of California's landscape despite a well-known and sadly well-documented history including the devastating Oakland Hills fire of being highly flammable.
14: Eucalyptus is a hardwood, and because of uh, the oils in it, it does burn with a lot more energy, and therefore... uh, That's
0: not inherent to who eucalypti are. That is a learned response to centuries of humiliation and racism. It gives off a lot
11: of heat. If Californians needed a reminder of the potential threat posed by these non-native trees, look no further than Portugal, where a massive wildfire fueled by eucalyptus groves has killed more than 60 people and left a charred, blackened landscape in its wake.
14: The eucalyptus uh, tends to slough off some of their bark and their leaves, which create a high uh, fuel loading in the groves. In the aftermath of the Oakland
11: Hills fire, there was an effort to remove or thin eucalyptus groves. But 26 years later, we found
0: plenty of eucalyptus. Just like Switzerland, right? They didn't want too many Jews in Switzerland, so they just just always trying to thin the hood. ...trees in the Santa Cruz Mountains, San
11: Jose, the East Bay and beyond. The efforts to remove them either scattershot
14: or ineffectual. We have eucalyptus groves throughout California. And, and So what they're
0: really saying is we need a final solution to the eucalyptus question. That's what's really going on here, but nobody will speak up. Nobody will name the eucalypti.
14: In various areas, especially along the coastal lines. And so uh, it does create uh, issues. But despite that, there doesn't appear to be money, manpower, or perhaps the will.
11: To remove them
0: people are unwilling to wrestle with the implications of the eucalyptus question I mean you can't even talk about it publicly like try going into a bar talking about the eucalyptus question all right you'll just you'll just get shut down so back to back to this book new book here biography of scientist EO Wilson a life in nature a- and look at this really racist chart here so they're saying that the more immigration you bring in all right it, it it leads to extinction of existing species right i mean this is this is just so racist everyone knows that immigration is awesome so jared diamond talked about the island dilemma right if most of a habitat is destroyed and just a fraction of the area saved as a reserve the reserve will initially contain more species than it can hold at equilibrium. So the excess number of species will gradually go extinct. The smaller the reserve, the higher will be the extinction rates. Different species require different minimum areas to have a reasonable chance of survival. Different species require different minimal areas to have a reasonable chance of survival? I mean, that just sounds so racist. I, I, there's nothing essentially different about uh, by any species. Right, Species learn to fly or they learn to bite people simply as as a reaction to the educational system and to our criminal justice system. Every every species at heart just wants to live and to love, just like you and me. Now, it's important to start every day on a healthy note. I, I realize I've been a bit of a downer, raising some very painful issues today. But I like to start every day on a healthy note. And recently, I've been checking in with the Center for Healthy Sex. So I've been checking in on their YouTube page on and off for for about a decade. And so I really like to start my days with the Mirror of Intimacy webinar with Alex Katahakis. And I thought this one is just awesome.
4: It's It's on actions. Button below. So you never miss a post. And if you like this, don't forget to give this video a thumbs up. You can also keep up with what we're doing by following me on Instagram at Alex and at center for healthy sex. So our quote today is from Ann Dillard and she writes, how we spend our days is of course, how we spend our lives, what we do with this hour. And that one is what we are doing. And I really think that's a beautiful quote. And you probably know I like repeating the quotes um, and break them down. But how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. So how are you spending your days right now? Uh, We're just coming out of this pandemic, hopefully, and when we think back on the last two years and how we spent our days, the days just melded into days, and oftentimes people made reference to the movie Groundhog Day because it was the same day, day in and day out, and that was how we were spending our lives. And I think it's easier to see that when we're stopped, when we're not doing anything, when we're forced into this place of sitting still, if you will. And then she breaks it down into this. Mm -hmm. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. So what are we doing every day? This speaks to being present, I believe, to really being present with each and every hour of the day. And I always notice on Sundays, how quickly the day goes by, how short an eight hour span actually is. And then I think about what happens during the work week and how much gets crammed into that simple eight hour day and we actually become what we're doing and we can start to become very small in the what of what we're doing because it doesn't really define all of who we are. It just becomes one aspect or one note of what we're doing and so we start to outgrow people we start to outgrow our jobs we start to outgrow our clothes and places um, because what we do every hour is what we're doing and the way we spend our days is what ends up being the way we spend our lives so how does this relate then to the ter- uh, the term action and actions and when i think of the word action i think about the director's call and the stage is perfectly set um, the actors are in place everything's ready to go um, and everyone's awaiting the perfect scene to take place but life is not like a movie right life is not perfectly aligned and everything's in order before we take action in our lives and make things happen in fact well, we're waiting for action. So this is
0: just a great seminar, Mirror of Intimacy webinar on actions. Highly highly recommended by 40 here. Okay. So this is what's going on with the New York Times. Right? New Zealand's biodiversity crisis prompts extreme measures. And the media is just all on board with this. They think this is great. A few years ago, the nation vowed to rid itself of most imported predators but now some people are asking if that goal is feasible or worth what it will cost well what about asking is it good why not just allow people to compete on on the free market so you've got all these kiwis going to absurd lengths just to kill one stoat right just because native birds lizards and bats you know evolved in new zealand with an absence of mammalian predators well why can't the native birds lizards and bats you know, develop their own protection. Why can't they learn to live and to love these immigrant newcomers? What about an attitude of inclusion and radical love and inclusion? So, So, yeah, many of New Zealand's most iconic native creatures are flightless. Well, why can't they just learn to fly, right? So, yeah, they're defenseless against predators like stoats, but isn't the whole term predator, isn't that judgmental? I mean, is that really who we are as, as Americans, as New Zealanders, as Anglos, as just people? I mean, we just gotta label, label whole groups, whole species, predators. Like, oh, listen to this, this, this really prejudicial and diminishing language. I hate this stoats, weasel-like creatures with jagged teeth and remarkable agility. That's not all they are. They're also poets. I mean, they're also rappers. I mean, they're incredible athletes. They, they, they're sensitive, nurturing mothers and and social workers, right? So the stoats were introduced to New Zealand in the nineteenth century to control rabbits. Yeah, just like what Karl Rove and our elites, you know, wanted to introduce more and more Hispanic immigration to control some, you know, native predators, right? So. 4,000 of New Zealand's native species are classified as at-risk or threatened. Right? It's the highest proportion of threatened native species in the world. Why Why? why don't these native species, why don't they just learn to cr- compete? Why don't they just grow up, drop their prejudice, and welcome the so-called predators into their midst? They'll be so much better off if they learn to live and to love th- their predators. Right? Instead of thinking about your predator as a predator, as a rapist, or as a killer, just think about them as a friend you haven't made yet. Like all these New Zealanders, like they've laid 6,000 chap, traps and poison stations in just three miles of the peninsula. And each is regularly checked, requiring dozens of paid staff members and local volunteers. Why not use those resources to re-educate the, the immigrants to behave better. So you've got all these activists hunting down predators. So domesticated cats, all right? Domesticated cats, they kill, but they're politically untouchable. So some species, like domesticated cats, they kill millions of birds. But, but we can't do anything about domesticated cats because they're politically untouchable, right? So the government in New Zealand committed in 2016 to eliminating most non-native predators by 2050. I mean, imagine if we did that in this country. Many of our species give our country its sense of identity. At risk is our very sense of nationhood, says New Zealand's conservation minister. That is just bigotry. That's racism. Many of our species give our country its sense of identity. Why can't you get your sense of identity from Afghans? or from immigrants from Africa? Right? Why, why do you even need a sense of identity? Why can't just the world be your sense of identity? Why can't an attitude of love and inclusion and, and radical openness, why can't that be your sense of identity? Why can't your sense of identity be that you love to be ravished, right? Why, why can't your sense of identity be oh! I want immigrants to come in to knock, breathe, shine, and, and mend me. I want immigrants to to bend me over. I, I want immigrants to use their force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. Right? Why don't we make our identity that we're going to labor to admit you into our midst? Right? Why not make our identity ideally love the stranger and the immigrant? and I'm willing to marry my enemy. Why don't we say to the immigrant, take me to you, imprison me, for I, except that you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Why don't we say to the immigrants, come here and ravish me, come here and imprison me, come here and enthrall me, come here and break, blow, burn, and make me new. Come here and rise over me, come here and stand over me. come here and overthrow me. come here and bend me to your will. Make me labor to admit you, All right? Why not make an identity around that? Gosh, really sad. The people want like some kind of specific identity for for their nation and their people. Their their very sense of nationhood is, is on the line here. I mean, how weak and pathetic here. Why not make your sense of nationhood that you love to be ravished by immigrants? It's a wonderful way to create an identity. So six years in, the campaign has achieved significant successes. Right? They're eradicating predators from 117 of its roughly 600 islands and creating multiple fenced predator-free reserves around the country. It's just Jim Crow. Absolute Jim Crow. And if I can do anything about it,
4: I'm not going to allow this.
0: Right, I am going to take action. I'm so inspired by Alex Katahakis.
4: Action. Um, we can end up not doing anything. And there's a saying that perfection is the enemy of the good because we're waiting for some perfect scenario, some perfect person, some perfect marriage to take place. Um, So by taking action and saying, okay, this is going to be good enough, then you can start to achieve some of your personal and professional goals. Um, There's another saying that done is better than good. So just taking action, moving towards what those personal and professional goals are. So take a moment right now, excuse me, to ask yourself, how am I spending all of my days? And what does every hour look like? And am I procrastinating on my personal and professional goals because I'm waiting for perfect? And what if today was the day? Today was the day to take action on whatever it is you've been putting off. Because moving towards something good and desirable really engages our life forces. We start to feel vital.
0: So the left in this country is copying many the, the tactics of the New Zealand lobby against our Supreme Court.
15: experience, Hunter Biden. Now, according to a brand-new report from the New York Post and Miranda Devine Insiders, close to the Bidens, they now say that Hunter is his father's closest advisor and is even reportedly offering advice on Ukraine policy. What a shock. Now you may remember Joe himself called Hunter the smartest man he knows, but maybe Joe was onto something. Hunter did ink very lucrative deals in Ukraine with no experience in oil and gas. He was also paid millions from oligarchs like the former first lady of Moscow, in that case, uh, $3.5 million. And of course, the big $1.5 billion deal with the Bank of China. So I think it's fair to ask yourself, what kind of advice do you think maybe Hunter would be giving his dad on gun policy, especially in light of these new photos that came out, or how to fix inflation, or how to fix rising gas prices. Now, meanwhile, we have more signs tonight that the left and their intimidation tactics are continuing. This was on FoxNews.com. This is scary. One left-wing group that's called Ruth Senos. They're now publishing details about the children of Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett. This on the heels of a would-be assassin in the case of Justice Kavanaugh. Here with a reaction to all of it. She's the co-host of The Five. Our friend Judge Jeanine Pirro is with us. Let's start with the second story first. I cannot, for the life of me, Judge, understand. We have laws. You're not allowed to harass. You're not allowed to intimidate judges, especially when they're making a ruling. Okay. We had the tacit approval of Jen Psaki and the Biden administration as far as these protests goes, the doxing of the justices. Now we've got not only a would-be assassin, now we're targeting, they're giving out the name of the school of this justice's kids and the church where they say she goes to every single day. Now that to me is an invitation to hurt or kill a justice. Your thoughts?
12: Well, there's no question, and that's the reason, Sean, that the Congress and the President—not this one, certainly—passed uh, Section uh, 12 of uh, 1507 of uh, the United States Code, Section 18, uh, 1507, to protect Supreme Court justices and all judges in a situation where people are protesting or parading in an effort to influence them. This goes beyond that. And by the way, Sean, the fact that Merrick Garland, especially after the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, the fact that that night Merrick Garland did not use that 18 U.S.C. 1507 to arrest everyone in front of Justice Kavanaugh's home, to me, he should be fired. Now they're going one step beyond that. They're not just looking to influence a judge's opinion by uh, threatening, intimidating or worse Their children, this is beyond the pale. It all started, Sean, with uh, Maxine Waters when she said, get in their face, get confrontational. And it continued with Chuck Schumer when he was talking abortion and going after Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. These people on the left know that they're not going to be accountable. But when you go after children, and I was a public official with children and they had protection, not so much because of them, but because people wanted to get to me through my children. And in the end, and we've got an administration that is ginning up a revolution. Even Joe Biden said it on, on the—what uh, right. was it? Jimmy Kimmel. Fallon. The, yeah, yeah, Kimmel, the other yeah. night. A mini-revolution. That's what they want. And Judge, Ruth Judge, let me read us, what
15: they wrote. Go. The group Ruth sent us. They, they wrote, Falls Church is a people-of-praise stronghold. She sends her seven kids, and they give the name of the school— Uh, and she sits on the board of directors for, and she attends church church
12: daily. every day.
15: Okay, judge, if that's not a direct threat to a judge, I don't know what is.
12: That is a direct threat. And what you've got is you've got a country that is on edge. You've got people who are going to listen to that kind of rhetoric, and they're going to act on it, just like the guy did with the Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. And the blood will be on their hands when something happens. And the fact that the mainstream media doesn't bother to cover this is shocking. And, uh, you know, I don't know how people decide they're going to stay in office, Sean. The people on the left are trying to threaten everyone out of office who's on the right.
15: All right. Let's go to Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Mm. Uh, We got these new images out. He apparently is with a hooker, according to reports. Mm. There he is recklessly handling a gun. We also know that he lied on his gun application about uh, his drug use. And we know that they dumped the gun in a dumpster. Thank God somebody that was responsible actually found it and gave it to the police uh you know i'll use biden's language for god's sakes uh joe (laughs) maybe tell hunter uh
0: okay okay let's it's time to take action against the new zealand lobby we
4: feel like we are engaged in our lives that we're making things happen and more importantly that we're on purpose what is the purpose of my life and what action am i taking in order to move towards that purpose Um, actions that create healthy and genuine excitement are different from those that just create drama so you want to consider that also and drama can be a way to just sort of stir the pot or spin our wheels when we don't have a well thought out plan. So what is the plan for your goals, for your hopes, and for your dreams? What actions are you taking towards those? Or are you just spinning your wheels and creating drama? And this can be especially true where sex and love are concerned, that you have to be both active and discerning when it comes to sex and love, um, because these are such powerful, powerful forces that you don't want to just throw yourself at anyone or lunge at a sexual act um unless you're very clear that that's what you're doing and if you're very clear then you know what the consequences will be and you're making a choice um, to deal with those consequences good bad or otherwise uh, so when you are seeking someone or you're being sought after um, these action states are driven by biological directives, their nature's imperative, that we bond, that we seek others, that we connect in a particular way. And so we want to be discerning about whether or not this is a true experience of love and wanting and desire versus one that is a repetition of some impulse control problem, perhaps.
0: So I think that's what we've got going on here. This what we have together it's a true expression of love and desire and it's not just you know repeating uh, impulses that have gotten way off track in the past but but today together we're creating this whole community based around radical love and inclusion that's it shabbat shalom bye bye